Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, it's Bill Stats. Welcome to Episode 8 from the Summit Club at the Business Roundtable. Episode 7 initiated conversation about high-performance teams. We left off leaving you in incredible anticipation of Part 2. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can build a high-performance team. So, last time, Episode 7, we defined a high-performance team, and Rick took us through an acronym of PERFORM, which represents the characteristics of a high-performance team. So, I'm going to hand it off to Rick, and he'll get us started. Rick? Thank you, Bill. So, as Bill said, today we're going to start with a discussion about how you build a high-performance team. So, team members... High-performance team members have uh, the following characteristics. So we're going to start, and Bill, you want to start with the first one? Sure. And I'm going to start with that first bullet, have a clear vision of the objectives and the goals, based on my experience with, uh, with Stephen Covey. And habit number one, begin with the end in mind. You really have to have a clear, just say a picture, um, identify what you're trying to accomplish, both short-term and long-term, that'll give you the focus that you need to get your team organized and all pointed in the same direction. What do you guys think about how you'd start that process? You have a meeting? Yeah, usually what you would do, you would have a startup meeting, establishing all the goals and all the parts that go into making that solution happen. And then from there, you might even want to delve further into that startup meeting of establishing this team handles this, this team handles that. In, in a bigger picture, if it's a three-month project, six-month project, what have you, you would even establish some mini-meetings as far as milestones. JT, can you imagine if there are people listening to this thinking, okay, so we have to get a space with a large conference room, and then we have to get... You and I both know you get your team in your office, and some of them are going to sit on the floor or whatever, right? I mean, and, so get and, it. and you have to get that big picture. you got to come out of that meeting with your big picture. Uh, John Navickas, you, you made the most important point when it comes to delivering on that big picture is you have to have the milestones. You know, you, you don't go from, I hate to use a baseball analogy, the way our Phillies are playing lately, but, you know, you don't, you don't go from, the, you know, the on-deck circle to home plate. There's got to be those interim steps. You know, of course, we know what the big picture is, but how do we get to the interim steps that's going to allow us to build on that initial action to reach the final goal? Yeah, exactly. And I think while you're developing your objectives and goals, uh, it, it ought not to be just a dissertation on your part telling them what is going to be. I think it's much more helpful to allow them to participate. You know, at the end, you have more votes. But if they participate in establishing the goals and objectives, it makes them more real to them, I think. You know what, Rick, that's a really good point. Because even in um, the last podcast, episode seven, we did the part on empowerment. And I think that's really good for the team, where if they feel that they're not just getting lectured. And you ask them, okay, well, I think you said in the last one, somebody might have an idea, but they keep their mouth shut because they don't want to make any waves. Well, there might be somebody in these new employees or somebody that has a great idea, and if they speak up, they can change the whole focus of how that accomplishment happens. Yeah, 
I mean, I think if, if you're in charge of a group, at least from my personal experience, um, nothing scary to me where you throw out an idea and somebody goes, that's a great idea. And every idea you throw out, it's a great idea. And I've always said to teams I've worked with, I said, you have to understand, I have like one good idea a year. So I need you guys to participate and help. And I don't want it to be a one-way street. And I think if you're developing uh, you know, a team, a high-performance team, I, I think, uh, and you have good members, that works really, really well doing it that way. Well, you, I think, go ahead, John. The the first act of empowerment is in the establishment of the goal. And of course, the leader, and we'll get into leadership a little bit further down the line on this, but it's great to have the, the overarching goal, but the first step of empowerment is to have the team members kind of plug into that goal and see, is the goal realistic? Does the goal have to be refined? And, and that's where you empower different members of the team to have their initial input. And you have to have their, their complete commitment from the beginning or that goal's never gonna get accomplished. All I was gonna say was, I feel like I've been doing this forever. Uh, in uh, August, 2006, I was doing a training class on goal setting. True story, swear. And it was a day where in the lovely uh, a section of Kentucky at the Bluegrass uh, Airport in Fayette County, Delta connecting flight. There's only one guy working in the tower early in the morning, small regional airport. Pilot and co-pilot, long story short, they get on the wrong runway to take off. When we're landing or taking off in our own world, we'll see these little numbered lit up signs. If it's taxi and stuff, it's like 59, 21R, whatever. I have no idea what that all means. But when you guys were just talking about milestones, I see that runway thinking about Fayette County Airport, Delta Connection Flight 5191. These guys didn't pay attention to the milestones. They get on the wrong runway, which is only about 1,500, 2,000 feet too short. 165 people died. So I'm certainly not suggesting that you have to worry about death because you didn't set up milestones, but it's a universal concept. You gotta know where you're going incrementally so that you have these milestones or markers to tell you you're on the right track, or you're not, not before it's track. too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, and that's part of the commitment as well. And you know, to be committed to completion of the goal, you have to know that you accomplish those interim steps. So, one of the um, the ways to look at this in terms of the interim goals, it's like building a house. You don't just have everybody show up to the plot of land and say, "Okay, go." So your, your mason's doing one thing and someone else is framing out something. It, it's just going to be chaos and nothing's going to work. You, sh you should do it the way it is done is, okay, phase one, what's the blueprint look like? Phase two, someone's got to lay the foundation. Phase three, this happens. And the next thing you know, you're turning the key and you have your house. That's how any team should work when accomplishing a goal of a project. You know what's really funny as you say that? This is the foundation. If you're going to build that house, whatever it is, where do you get started? You got to start, are you pouring concrete? Are you laying cinder block? What are you doing? So to John's point, if you don't get that right, 
everything that you're going to build on it is going to have consequences. So the next part of this, and anybody that's worked with some just coworkers or teams in general, is making sure everybody stays on track with what their job is. Some parts of the job just aren't fun. Some are the, you know, the real juicy stuff that you just can't wait to get into. So you want to spend more time on that. And then when it comes time to the, your whole part being done, it's not done. A big part as a manager with this whole thing is to find a way to make sure the individual teams, the individual people are staying on task. Understand your priorities. Understand your position. That's what the that that that's what the manager is going to do. And we really have to understand the manager is divine, defined here as the leader. The leader help, works with his team, builds the foundation, the final goal, but also make sure, to your point about home building, that the framers are the framers, the plumbers are the plumbers, the electricians are the electricians, and it's not that they will not have, you know information that can cross over into other disciplines, but they have to first understand exactly what they bring to the table. Exactly. So what do you do when you have problems? <laughs> There's always, you have to be able to anticipate and be prepared. The last thing you need is for something to come up, an obstacle, some kind of confusion, you got a gap in the team, somebody's not there, whatever. You got to be able to have a have a head start mentally on how you're going to deal with problems as they come up. I don't know. Education is probably a really good part of it because you can't solve all the problems yourself. What do you guys think? One of the best ways to get around having these these problems is to get ahead of it. So if you have your meeting and you establish your team, okay, folks, you're doing X, Y, and Z for this project. Are you clear? And that's something that's more than okay if there's 20 people in the room and you're talking to three of them. Put them on task in front of all the team, all 20 people. Are you clear? Is there any problems with this? And then you'll find out. Crystal. Jack with, Nichols. <laughs> I mean, you don't know if, if they're just going to be yes you because there's 20 other people in the room listening to them, but that'll come to a head and you'll find out sooner, enough, sooner or later. If they have any doubts or questions, get them educated on it. Buy them books, buy them tools, buy them software that make them do their job easier. The more colors on their palette that they have to, to paint with, I think the better the final picture is going to be for them. You know, it's funny. Right now, I'm holding against my chest a binder that on the front it says Summit Club. Um, I was working with a client out in Chicago, a large client. And I've, I'm a guy that believes in binders. Why? because it's the manual for success, whatever you're trying to do. I don't care if there's only three pages in it. It's a way to organize your thoughts, keep track of all the little pieces of paper and printouts and drawings and emails or whatever. And this client out there, I would show up and I would hear people going, uh, AFB. And it's like, they didn't even really know what they were talking about until at one point I went, what the heck is AFB? And somebody said, another effing binder. But you know what? Those binders were in their shelf unit, in their workstation or whatever, and it was an archive. It was also the leading edge of, here's where we're gonna start, here's where we're gonna move through. And it doesn't all have to be fleshed out in the beginning. Flesh it out together as you go, and everybody have the discipline, and again, I mentioned it yesterday, the first organization you got to manage is you. And whether it's a binder or a folder, 
keep all your stuff together, know what you have to learn. Yeah, I think it's also uh, you know important to understand uh, and, and not make it a horrible thing. Um, you're going to have problems in the course of accomplishing whatever it is you're sending out. Uh, so you want to make sure you, you have a team that's going to raise their hand as soon as there's a problem, understand that it's not the end of the world, it's something you can deal with, and as quickly as you can, figure out a course of action if you have to change the initial plan or tweak it a little bit. So Rick, what, what do you do? Because you, you've had a lot more experience as far as managing several radio stations at a time, where you have the goal set and you have maybe two different teams, maybe they talk to each other, maybe they don't, but they're they're butting heads. And, and there's there's going to be either personality conflicts or even the end project is going to change how it's going to get accomplished because of these conflicts. How do you manage that? Well, I, I don't think you can have teams that don't talk to each other if they're going to accomplish anything. I mean, if everybody's working, as you suggested earlier, in their own silo, uh, you, you, get, you have to be really lucky for anything to get done. So, I mean, I think it, with, with all this stuff, communication <clears throat> is, is the team. You know, on radio, years ago, it used to be program on one side of the hall and sales on the other. And <clears throat> programming people didn't like salespeople, even though they generated their income and all the pay for all the money that came in a radio station. And you have to get them together, and they have to mutually understand that we're in this together. And that's true of any company. So we're not going to succeed if you guys don't do your job. We're you're, we're not going to succeed if we don't do our job. It's it's a mess. So you got to get everybody on the same page, working together to a common goal. If um, if somebody is, I won't say going rogue, but maybe they are going rogue a little bit, and in their minds, they think it's the right way to do it. Um, how do you go in as a manager? How would you go in and say, "All right, this is great, but this isn't really the direction." Like you're making the call. To, to herd the cats back in line a little bit. One thing you can't do is do it in group. You never want to criticize or deride that rogue in front of everybody else. To me, you gotta take them aside, you gotta review the plan and their role and deal with the fact that there's an observation here that you're not playing according to the rules that we set up. Yeah. And Bill, you bring up a great point, and this takes us back to the subjects that we've talked up to this point. You're going to have conflict in all likelihood, especially with creative people, people that care, people that are passionate. Yes, there, there's going to be some conflict, and conflict doesn't have to be bad. Conflict is an opportunity to lead, go back to your original structure that you set up and milestones to reach your goal, and if you properly empowered people, then you're going to get the communication or be able to provide the communication that's necessary to get the project back on track. Now, here's a goofy part. Lencioni wrote a book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list for 15 years anyway. Fear of conflict, absence of conflict is one of the most critical dysfunctions of a team because the leader whether it's conscious, semi-conscious, or unconscious, sends out the communication, they don't want conflict. This is about harmony. So all of a sudden, you're in situations where you have people that don't agree with what's going on, and they're not saying anything because they don't want to get the backlash or whatever. So 
on one hand, you know there's going to be problems, and you don't want to encourage problems, but you certainly want to create an environment where people are going to bring it to the table, get it out there, and have the team make decisions on how to solve it. Well, you bring up an interesting conflict in teams, and I hope I get this adage correctly, but if a team leader pushes everybody into the same decision, I think the adage goes, if we're all sitting around this table and we all think the same thing, then all of us don't need to be sitting around this table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, John, yeah. The other thing I think is helpful to your point, people view things from their perspective based on the knowledge they have. So if somebody wants to do something, they feel strongly about something. They don't consider what you have to deal with. So I have found sometimes that you say, you know, that, that's not a bad idea, but let me tell you what I have to deal with and why in that context this may not particularly work. I found that is very often successful because, you know, people don't think, you know, well, you're in charge, you don't report to anybody. So what are you talking about? You know, I mean, I have people I have to deal with as well. And here are the things that I have to fulfill. And, and maybe your idea doesn't fit it in, in that context. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad plan. I don't think it's going to work in this situation. Can I pick up on that for a second? I, I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a meeting and somebody has an issue and somebody else says, yeah, but you don't understand. And all of a sudden now, there's a two-way conversation between two members of the team and everybody else sitting around like John's sitting right now, brushing his beard, going, how long is this going to go on? <laughs> uh, you know what? And when you say to them, look, do you understand it's really important, but it doesn't have to be down in the weeds here. You two. Oh, exactly. Offline. Yeah. And the next time we get together, which you decide, you can share with us how you fixed right. it. No. Yeah. In the meantime, it doesn't waste all of our time while you're figuring right. it out. Yeah, I did not make probably make that point clear. It, that you do that one on one. You yeah. don't do it in front of a group because hey, you don't want to. Oh you my don't gosh. Take the time up of a group, and, and you don't want to run the risk of embarrassing somebody. Sure. So you take a very, very vocal member who has a very strong idea about something. And you go, hey, come on, let's talk about this for a few minutes. And you know this. This gets back to a situation where a manager has to exhibit leadership. Right. Leadership is managing conflict, and a lot of good organizations thrive on conflict. It, it gets subjects onto the table. It allows those sidebars where you can solve issues and create unity. So, right. all part of the leadership uh, role here. Uh, I'm just going to interject for a second that there's so much meat in this program outline that you've put together, Rick. We're never going to finish this in part two, and I think we probably, I want to speak for you guys, we probably ought to make a note right now that there's liable to be a part three because we just don't want to leave anybody hanging out there with a self-limiting belief that's like, oh yeah, it always sounds really good, but you don't know, you don't know Jack or you don't know our place. And so I don't want to speed through anything that's going to leave somebody out there. I would rather come back and talk about the specifics of leading a high-performance team. What do you think, Rick? I mean, well, I, I think that probably makes sense because uh, we don't want to shortchange anybody in this discussion. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would I would say this: I've never seen a high-performance team without a good leader. So that that piece is really important, and I think it's best saved for another 
another day and another episode. Yeah, so I think so too. Pull on your hats. We're going into part three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, hit subscribe. Tell your fe- your friends, your business associates, we're here for you. Summit Club, Business Roundtable. Our goal, our vision is to help people be more successful, which is kind of lead their companies to more success. Ask us a question, leave us feedback. You'll get a t-shirt. And don't forget, always do what you've always done. You're always going to get what you've always got. Time for some new thinking. See ya. To learn more about the Summit Club Podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club Podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club Podcast, and we'll see you at the top.